This is the Life and Soul podcast with me, Emma Forbes. 2020 really was an eventful year. And amidst the madness, we've all had time to reflect on what we most appreciate in life. And although we're still surrounded by uncertainty, it's important to be reminded of what really matters. I'm going to be asking some fabulous guests what makes them tick, asking them what really gives them life and what really feeds their soul. So join me for some nuggets of wisdom, a moment to breathe, and above all, a good old chat over a virtual cup of tea. And I hope that by listening, you'll leave feeling a little brighter about the year ahead. Today, I'm joined by Chloe Brothridge. She's a hypnotist, a coach at the Karma U. She's the host of the leading self-help show, the Karma U podcast. She's also the author of The Anxiety Solution and Brave New Girl. And she's a real thought leader in the mental well-being space. And I'm thrilled to chat to her. I've been on your podcast and I'm thrilled to welcome you onto mine. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. No, it's a pleasure. And I, as I say, I loved chatting to you. And I think that, you know, your podcast, I know, is hugely revered to. As, as a new podcast person, you've, you've had over three quarters of a million downloads on your one. And I guess, sadly, it proves the point that anxiety is, is really, I mean, I don't want to say the word popular. I mean, it's really prevalent, isn't it? And everybody yeah. relates to it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think in the last year, sadly, rates of anxiety have gone up. They were high anyway. And we're seeing more and more people struggling and, and realizing that actually it's not it's not normal to be worried all the time. I think I think maybe in the past people would have anxiety but not really know that that's what it was and not really give it that yeah. name. And I think because we're talking about it more, people are realizing actually, you know, this is this is anxiety. Well, you yourself, I know, really, really struggled with it. And you had real self-doubt, anxiety, panic attacks. And it took you, you know, almost to the point we thought you were dying because you'd get that, you know, shaking and the sweats and everything that goes with it. And I think that that's quite an important thing that often we don't recognize anxiety and we don't recognize panic attacks because it can feel like so many other things. I mean, a lot of people go to, to hospital with a panic attack. It can feel similar to having a heart attack. Your heart can race, sweaty palms, all sorts of things. And how, how I mean, it took you a long time to realize that that was what you were suffering with. I, I had a panic attack first when I was 15. And as you say, like most people who have a panic attack for the first time, you don't know what it is. You've never, yeah. it's a feeling like you've never felt before. You really feel as though your body is losing control an emergency is taking place and you need to go to hospital. And I, I, I recognised at the time, I remember knowing that it was a panic attack. And I remember talking to someone at school, I think it was a school nurse, just giving me advice to not panic. Just, just don't panic. You know, what have you got yeah. to panic about? That sort of thing. So, so I, I, I would have panic attacks every now and again after that. And, and what and would be it, the trigger out of interest is because sometimes there's a big trigger and sometimes it's just something that happens isn't it? it it seemed to come more out of the blue for me I think I was very good at suppressing things and keeping things inside and not really dealing with my feelings I didn't I didn't understand myself at all I had hardly any self-awareness and and so it seemed as if things came out of nowhere it took me about 10 years I think I was about 25 before I finally got therapy and started to understand myself and realize why why these things were happening but I think for me it was a lot about keeping things inside and I had I had social anxiety I had bits of health anxiety where if I felt some weird kind of niggle in my body that would that would set something off so yeah the more I learned about it the more the more I could 
start to help myself but in the beginning I didn't I didn't really understand it to be honest. well I guess that's the key as well is that I feel like knowledge is is power in those things because you know it, it was it seemed to me like you went on a, on a real mission to find out you know how you could become calmer and more confident but I have to ask the question that in covid and in lockdown and this sort of situation if ever there was a trigger um for all of those things like feeling you know i, I pretty much know everybody that's had a, if they've had a sniffle if they've sneezed you think oh my god is this the beginning of covid if you wake up with a sore throat you're like oh my god is this it there's so many triggers to anxiety how have how have you dealt with keeping on top of your own self-confidence during this crisis yeah, it's interesting because I, I found that for lots of people, you know, COVID has been a big trigger for anxiety. For other people, it, there's a strange thing that can happen with some people with anxiety in that if things really do go wrong, you actually find that you're okay. Like in a sense, um, I've heard lots of people say, you know, I've been preparing for this my whole life. I've been kind of expecting something good like this. So actually now it's here. It's not actually as bad as I thought it was going to be. So yeah. in, in some ways, I found that I've coped with it quite well. And I'm, I'm extremely lucky in that my, my work wasn't affected. My family have yeah. been healthy. So in lots of ways, that hasn't been, you know, a trigger for me. You know, I'm more likely to get overwhelmed by having to, to go and do lots of things and meet lots of people that would be more of a trigger for me if I was to feel yeah. anxious these days and actually in COVID times we've had less of that so yeah an interesting thing I've heard from people with social anxiety is that actually they feel better because they don't have to go out naturally no I've actually you're right I mean I have heard that and I think there are aspects of things that did cause people anxiety that by being forced to be in this different position perhaps it's taken that trigger away. And on the other hand, it's it's made other people who perhaps weren't anxious before more anxious than, than ever. But I do really relate to one thing you said, which is that sort of calm in the middle of a storm, because I often find that if there is a big drama going on around me, I'm like the super rock in the middle. And my anxiety and my sort of panic attack almost comes post the event because it's when your sort of adrenaline, that sort of fight or flight thing goes then into relaxing. That's when it then you think, oh my God, what have I just been through? That's So I wonder if a lot of people right. after this, whether there'll be like a lot of post-traumatic syndrome, because, you know, it'll yeah. be a sort of a PTSD moment because people will be like, wow, I can't believe I've sort of got through that. Because we've all had to sort of survive in whatever way it is. As you say, you know, some people have lost their jobs. Some people are homeschooling. Some people are you know, crammed into a small environment or are taking care of different generations or have lost a loved one. So I think after the event, in, in, I mean, I hope it isn't, but in many ways it could almost trigger more. Yeah, I was talking to a friend about this recently um, who said that they really felt themselves going inside themselves and not wanting to, she, she's in New Zealand and she said that after two weeks of quarantining there, she then had to go out into the world and things are kind of open in New Zealand. She, she felt herself almost shy to, to go out and meet people. And I think sometimes if we are, we have that time of not seeing people, we kind of, we can lose our confidence. I mean, you know, I never, ever thought I'd do podcasting on Zoom, right? I mean, I've never, I've never done that where I interview people like this, but now that's my normal. I, when I first, when the first lockdown happened, the first time I went to a supermarket, I was really freaking out because I'd been trying not to go anywhere and doing sort of curbside pickup and 
really being careful. And the first time I physically walked in and was socially distancing and somebody sort of stepped outside because all the supermarkets have got those boxes you stand in and somebody was sort of like one inch outside their box. I was like, oh my God, now what? You know, and bit by bit, you almost have to learn to become outgoing again. And then I sort of stopped myself and I think, oh my God, I used to walk into a supermarket without thinking twice. Like all these things we never even not took for granted, but we just didn't even give them a second thought. You know, I know you've done workshops and you've done therapy and hypnotherapy and NLP and coaching and things like that. And obviously your breadth of knowledge in the subject is huge and through the podcast you do. What are your sort of tools of the trade, if you like? What is your sort of top go-to remedies for trying to calm calm it down? I often you know, talk to people about how physical anxiety is, how we think of it often as a mental, kind of like a mental illness, but often it is very physical, the racing heart, the not being able to stay still, fidgeting, sweating, shaking. Very often we'll probably need to address anxiety at a physical level in order to, to do something about it. So sometimes meditating, I mean, I mean, I love meditation. I think I recommend it to people, but if you're really in an anxious state, trying to sit down and meditate is not going to be possible for a lot of people if you're really feeling a lot of adrenaline rushing through you. So finding some way to physically process the anxiety, whether that is exercise, whether it's shaking, whether it's like dancing around the kitchen, um, doing, um, you know, breathing exercises, doing something physically, calm your body down and calm your nervous system down is, is really, really important. i interviewed a lot of people you have and everybody's got a different take on it a different view things that work for them whether it be you know life coaching or meditation or exercises you say all those things and I think the one thing I've sort of learned is when you're anxious it's quite you it's quite overwhelming because there's so many things to do you just think oh my god I can't I mean I I learned Um, meditation but I find it really hard to do my mind goes into an instant to-do list and then I'm just cross with myself that I can't keep meditating and I think that's common for a lot of people is that they 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 want to do something and they've read about it or they've learned about it or they've seen somebody else be very successful with it and then implementing it in their own lives just causes real problems because you're like I can't do it and that in itself is an anxiety so I guess what I'm trying to say is how do you sort of approach it when you're when you're that person? You know, do you just sort of look around or do you think you can? How do you just go? You just find the one thing you think that works for you and just keep trying it until it makes you feel better. I think there are so many different tools that we could try. And I think it it is good to try things, see what happens. Don't beat yourself up if it doesn't work for you. It'd be weird if everything works for everyone. But I think you really you touched on something really important there and it's you know, the importance of being kind to ourselves. I would say that's, that's almost like the number yeah. one thing. If I, if I want to say one thing to people with anxiety, it's be kind to yourself because that, that inner critic is what will stop us from, from trying things or make us give up. Or it's very often, a, you know, a root cause of our anxiety. If we don't, if we never feel good enough. If we beat ourselves up about things, if we, you know, have a, a fear of failure, you know, if we don't feel good about ourselves and our appearance, our bodies, you know, those sorts of that beating ourselves up is massive when it comes to anxiety. So reminding yourself that actually being kind to yourself is the way to bring out the best in yourself. Think about how you would speak to a friend. 
and and see if you can speak yeah. to yourself that way and know that beating you know if you if you beat up a friend if you were being mean to a friend that wouldn't help them that wouldn't that wouldn't help them to be motivated to do better we know that instinctively and yet and yet we beat ourselves up so really yeah. coming back to speaking to yourself as you would a friend is so is so important and I guess you're right it's all those sort of you know how one sees oneself I know that you're very much an advocate of the fact that social media and 24-7 technology doesn't help us, does it really? Because it's a constant stream of comparison. It's the constant stream of looking at something that could be better or making us feel that we haven't done enough or we've done, you know, the wrong thing. And, and you came up with some statistics that really worried me that the Mental Health Foundation say that 22% of women, 28%, if you look at the 18 to 24 year olds feel anxious all or most of the time. And I found that really upsetting. It's a, it's quite a big statistic, isn't it? Yeah. And this was before COVID. So unfortunately I think that's got, that's gone up since, since then. I mean, if you look at how we live our lives, it's so different to how we evolved to live. We evolved in yeah. small communities, about 150 people, you know, we lived very active lives, you know, our diets were completely different. There was all that community and support. Our lives are so different to how our bodies evolved to be. So I think that's, that's really the reason. And, and, you know, technology plays a big part of our lives in in modern times. We, We don't really switch off. We know what everyone is up to at all times of day. That's not normal or natural for us to know that and to have to be exposed to you know thousands and thousands of people that was another statistic that that you said is that 10 percent of 16 to 24 year olds reporting that they're often or always lonely and 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 it seems impossible doesn't it to be lonely when we've got all these forms of reaching out to somebody but nothing actually beats face to face or being in person with somebody yeah I think it can give us that a false sense of connection when we're not really getting properly yeah. nourished by those social media interactions that they're very often superficial or not very not very positive and helpful there was a documentary on Paris Hilton that I watched during lockdown and her relationship to social media and and I'm not picking her out particularly but it was obviously she's a somebody that people know about and it was it was sad actually how you know just this phenomenon if you like of, of thinking that these people are it's like family. Do you know what I mean? It's and, and yet there is a side to social media that I've experienced myself where you get kindness of strangers because somebody out of the blue will put an incredibly kind comment on your Instagram or say something lovely about your podcast or something like that. And you think, oh, my God, that's so lovely. So there is a there's a kindness in there. But it's also just it's it's being able to get that balance right of knowing that it's still something that's not it's not that it's not real. I'm trying to think what the word is, but it's still, it's, you know, it's, it's a form of technology. Yeah, I think there's obviously really positive aspects to social media. I think people feel a lot less alone. There are a lot of communities around mental health where people are getting to connect with people. They never realise other people felt the way they do. And it's actually quite normal. But I suppose with Paris Hilton, I watched that documentary as well. She, she's really putting on, she's created this facade and this persona. And I think, in, in our modern times, there's a sense that we all need to do that on social media to get yeah. ahead or to, to get yeah. people to follow us. There's that pressure. And actually, you know, I found it really interesting how, you know, certain people that I followed on social media and then get to know in real life, you realise, you know, they have problems, they struggle with things, they have this amazing Instagram feed, but yeah. actually 
they're struggling yeah. with things as much as anyone and and so it's yeah it always reminds me that you know not to not to believe the the hype the facade is not always always the the reality so if you were going to give three tips for staying balanced to our lovely listeners what would they be so i would say schedule in your rest and your breaks it's so easy for us to go through the day you know absorbed in something busy taking care of other people doing things on our to-do list and not take time for ourselves and breaks are so important they're so important for our well-being for our productivity we're more productive when we take breaks so I often say to my clients to actually schedule things in so whether that's just you know scheduling in a cup of tea an early night having a bath doing 10 yeah. a 10 minute stretch in the day you know really make it official by putting it in your diary so that's one thing I like that I yes <laughs> I like um, that I would say secondly write down what you're thinking you know when our thoughts are just roaming free in our heads sometimes they can seem quite scary and out of control when we write them down when we have them in black and white we can start to see them from a different perspective and offload some of those thoughts. So write things down. If you're an overthinker or a yeah. warrior, write it down, have it in black and white and you'll be more able to, to cope with it. Lastly, my tip for staying balanced is to open up to people about how you are. I think so often we, we say when we're asked how we are, we're, we're good or we're busy <laughs> or we're, you yeah. know, we're, we're fine. And actually, I think having more and more conversations about how we are is really, really important. Don't keep it inside. I would, yeah. Don't think that you're... I would agree with that. I think it's just, I think the reason people, a lot of people don't, and I sort of include myself in that, is that sometimes that works incredibly well. And you open up to somebody and actually, and say, actually, I am struggling at the moment. And I've, I found that particularly actually in COVID with friends that were the friends that you could do that with. And there were other people that that almost don't want you to, not because they're not lovely friends and not because they're really lovely people, but they just sort of don't want to go there, which I, I understand because I guess maybe it makes them feel like, actually, that's kind of what I'm going through too. And I don't really want to deal with that. Right? I don't know what the reasoning yeah. is behind that. I don't know what your view is on that. Yeah, I do have a view on this. I think sometimes people don't know what to say. They, they want yeah. to say the right thing. Yes. And they don't know what the right thing is, so they avoid it because it can feel awkward. So, so my answer to that would be, can you, can you think about what it is that you need from that person? What, what, how could they support you? If you need help or you need support, what, what do you need? Do you just need someone to listen to you? Do you need advice? Do you need some kind yeah. of practical help? I think, especially as women, we're not very good at knowing what our needs are, number one, and secondly, asking for what we need. Um, yeah. But it might be that, you know, maybe we're the ones that are asking people how they are. Maybe we're the ones that are getting into more of a habit of saying, you know, how are you really? Can you, yes. you know, how, how are you yeah. really feeling today? Um, to, to, to start more openness with the, the conversations that we're having. No, I think that's good advice. So I have to ask you the two questions for my podcast, which are what gives you life and what feeds your soul? Okay. Yeah. So I was thinking about this this morning. What <laughs> gives me life? I would say... One thing that's really been giving me life is dogs. I'm not a dog owner, but I love, in lockdown in, in London, I lived in East London and was just every day watching the amazing dogs of Victoria Park just oh. gave me a lot of, of, lot of life and a lot of happiness, watching them play together. Everyone seemed I, to get a dog in, in the spring. Well, they did. Um, I mean, I actually have mine pre-COVID, but 
I'm so with you because they do, they've done that for me because they've loved COVID life. There's not a single dog that hasn't loved COVID because <laughs> everybody they love has been around 24 seven. They're never left on their own. You know, they've kind of just been with their owners, just cooped up, which is their idea of heaven. So I'm totally with you. Dogs do give you life. I'm, I'm a big advocate of that. And then what about what feeds your soul? Well, with more time and being at home or trying to play my guitar every day and, and sing. And yeah. a couple of years ago, I was always too shy to sing in front of people or, you know, even in front of my boyfriend. But I, I kind of got through that and I've been singing and playing guitar every day. And I love, I love, yeah, singing. And music. there's something about the, the breathing, I think, that we do when we're singing. I've done studies into people that join choirs that it's really good for our mental health. And I've really found that. I think it causes you to take lots of deep breaths. So I wonder if that's a part of it. But yeah, that's something yeah. That I've been really into lately. That's given me feeding myself. Oh, I love that. Keep singing. And, and I hope you get a dog, more to the point. I feel like you should um, be a dog yeah. owner as you love one. I know. <laughs> <laughs> They're a massive commitment, let me tell you. It's my third child and it's probably the biggest, yes. the biggest commitment I've ever had is my dog, but super well worth it. Thank you so much for chatting to me today. Really enjoyed your tips and we'll guide thank everybody you. to your great podcast if they don't know about it already, which I suspect they do. Um, but thank you for being my guest. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. And also, if you've enjoyed this episode, do leave a five-star review and you can find out more by going to buyemma.co.